One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 10 and Libby and Nate are seven. And I have two kids. Jay is five and Kenny is almost two. They are pretty stinking adorable, aren't they? They are. So we (laughs) like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are because... In addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. Deborah, what have your kids been up to? They have been taking care, sort of, of our new puppy. And that's really adorable to watch, is like puppy-kid bonding. Mm -hmm. And it's not as much as I would like, because I still have to keep track of when it's been outside and stuff, but it's really cute. Right. Does Coco have a favorite? Jeremy, my husband. (laughs) All right. Well, at least it's not one of the kids. (laughs) Is Jeremy just really free with the treats? He is the best out of all five of us at playing games. Oh, I see. So he's the fun family member, (laughs) I think. How about Jay? And Kenny, what have they been up to? Things are, you know, we're all kind of at the end of our tethers right now. And like a while back when the actual lockdown first happened here in Florida, I bought a bunch of toys that I thought would be good for uh, self-entertaining for both of my kids. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I've come to believe that the phrase self-entertaining is just a total scam (laughs) because my kids are so bad at it. But uh, the other day, like two days ago, we opened up this little like (laughs) dinosaur poop thing. It's like it looks like a little thing of poop. And essentially it has a poop fossil embedded inside of it. And Jay's task is to use like what is essentially a very tiny plastic dental pick to get all of the fake poop off from around the real poop and expose his treasure and he is super into it and it is he will sit down and like do that for at least a half an hour without really needing any encouragement or supervision other than like me marveling at how much he has scraped away occasionally so it's been pretty awesome that is funny I've seen toys like that but not dinosaur poop (laughs) That is hilarious. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I'm sure now that I've mentioned it, he'll decide he's totally not into it anymore. But so far, I'm a huge fan of dinosaur poop. Maybe he has a future in paleontology. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about watching that uh, dino- or is it prehistoric road trip or paleolithic road trip. I don't know. It's a P 
PBS show with uh, an employee from the Field Museum in Chicago going around and doing, uh, I don't know, dinosaur stuff. I thought maybe I would try to introduce that for screen time. But I don't know if that ever works for you, like your kids get interested in something and then you try to introduce it as part of screen time, like kind of an educational thing and they just totally rebel. I don't know. Yeah. Does he watch Dinosaur Train? Remember that show? He did a while back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Not lately. How about that? I don't even know if this has anything to do with dinosaurs, but what about that um, where there's like the giant dinosaur Fred Savage movie with dinosaurs? Like, are we talking classic 80s cinema here? Yeah. Oh, Mm. my gosh. I'm sorry I even brought this up because I can't even think straight. All right, listeners, get on it. (laughs) (laughs) Fred Savage movie with a dinosaur? The Wizard? There was a dinosaur? I thought that was about pinball, or did I make that up? Okay, no, my memory is probably scrambled. Not pinball, about like video games. Didn't Fred Savage do one about like another little kid who was really good at video games? I don't know. Guys, clearly we have lost the thread here. Okay. (laughs) Should we move on to screen time in the news? Please. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So today in screen time in the news, we are discussing a July 10th advice column known as Ask the Godfather from the website fatherly.com, a parenting advice site for dads. The article is titled, Kids Can Watch As Much TV As They Want This Summer, right? So much of our screen time news is presented through the lens of a mom, a working mom, a stay-at-home mom. Rarely is it presented through the lens of families, and almost never is it presented through the lens of dads. So I've come across Fatherly a little bit in screen time research, I haven't really delved into the site, but I was super curious to see if there was any correlation between the advice that moms are getting versus the advice that dads are getting. So the question in the article is pretty standard, something like, I know it's bad parenting, but I give my kids screen time so I can get time to myself because I can't plan activities for them all the time. That is what the letter writer says. Mm Mm-hmm. And the godfather, the advice columnist, goes on to call a moratorium on screen time guilt until after the pandemic. Uh, He talks about placing screen time among our other priorities, those priorities being staying employed, important, our meaning parents or fathers, I guess, mental health, also important, the health of our family, and love, I found this one to be the weirdest one because he suggested that there would be arguments about screen time that would prevent you from loving your kids. So that was an argument against screen time. And it was weird. Uh, He also goes on to say that science is never settled and the argument over screen time is always ongoing as far as how much and what damage is done. And who boys, this is sentiment I really wish everyone subscribed to. Essentially, the best takeaway I got from this column was towards the end where the godfather said, I will bleep out the curse word, quote, we can't give a bleep about all of the things all of the time. And I hear you on that, godfather. I think that is a sentiment that can be carried to moms and dads alike. Deborah, what did you think? Just a note on the if screen time is causing problems 
Like my kids, we've discovered if they have more than say an hour of video game time, they are just awful. Mm -hmm. And so I would love it if they could spend like an afternoon playing Minecraft Uh so I could just have that time to finally get everything dealt with, you know, because it's hard to like pay bills or do any household maintenance if you're getting interrupted every 10 minutes. Right. But we can't do more than like an hour. Mm. It kind of sucks. Um, But they're just so crabby if they have more than an hour. And I think... So Tony has ADHD and I've been reading more about that. And there's like a phenomenon. It's like time blindness. Hmm. So he doesn't like realize how much time has gone by. Okay. So I don't know. We still limit our screen time, but I like, I did like this article. I was a little afraid going into it that it was going to be like, it was going to be a little more like, gender stereotypical in a bad way like Mm -hmm. the laundry commercials that show dads like not knowing how to do laundry right but I thought that it was good and it seemed very similar to like that parents.com article that parent magazine article that we read which I think more moms probably read parent magazine than dads but I don't really know that for sure I was all kind of excited and poised to like rail against gender essentialism and really this was pretty much the same article we would get on a mommy blog yeah I had never heard of this website fatherly.com but I want to know more yeah it was a good it was a good advice column Listeners, are any of you readers of fatherly.com? Do you have any segments to recommend? I did a little bit of poking around on their site, and I was impressed slash a little perplexed by the fact that it seemed pretty pretty neutral. Like, I didn't see a lot that screamed, this is for dads, to me. Yeah. So moving on, do you have any follow-up from our last episode? Deborah, I took... 21 minutes of my free time (laughs) and watched the pilot of Good Morning Miami. (laughs) That warms my heart. Listeners, if you do not remember from last week, I was extolling the virtues of actor Mark Feuerstein and how great it was to see him in the Babysitter's Club. And Deborah suspected that my love of Mr. Feuerstein came from watching Good Morning Miami, which I had never seen before and did not even realize existed. So I sought it out and it was a 90s sitcom. Was it really terrible? No, I mean, I have no lingering fondness. You know how the youths are super into friends right now? Mm hmm. I don't really have any lingering fondness for any of those popular or even just beloved by me at the time sitcoms. Same. I have no desire to go back and watch any episodes of Friends or The Office or anything. Yeah. So this was exactly what you'd expect. There were some funny beats. It had a laugh track. There were some cringy 
uh, inappropriate things said about Hispanic people, about gambling addiction, about people's weight, like exactly the things you'd kind of expect to be problems at this time were problems. But there were some jokes that landed just fine, and I think you could easily transport them to a single camera comedy and have them be fine today. Am I going to watch more? No. Sorry, Mark. You're still charming. I will watch In Her Shoes 80 more times to make up for the fact that I will not be watching any more Good Morning Miami. Well, I'm glad that you watched the pilot. Thanks for doing that. (laughs) Oh, my pleasure, for sure. (laughs) So let's move on to our main topic today, Esme and Roy. We watched... This show from HBO Max, it's an American slash Canadian animated series. It debuted in August of 2018 in the U.S. There's two seasons available on HBO Max. There's um, The first season is on PBS and on the PBS Kids app. It was created by Dustin Ferrer and Amy Steinberg. Ferrer has written for some of our favorites like Peg Plus Cat, Wonder Pets and Bubble Guppies. Also Creative Galaxy, which we did not like so much, but that's fine. Not all of our hits can be hits. <laughs> and Steinberg produced Team Umizoomi. It was produced by Canada-based animation studio Nelvana and Sesame Workshop. And it's Sesame Workshop's first foray into traditional animation in a really long time. And these are not puppets that we traditionally associate with Sesame Street. Esme is a girl, and her best friend Roy is a monster. And they babysit the little monsters in their town of Monsterdale. We picked it because HBO Max is a pretty new thing, and we figured we should explore it. I found out about HBO Max because the friend that I swap streaming passwords with texted me and wanted me to set up an HBO Max account. And I was like, what is HBO Max? (laughs) (laughs) And I use her Amazon Prime streaming and she uses my HBO. So it's a fair trade. So the first eight episodes of the new season were just released on HBO Max at the end of June, and we love new stuff. So we watched season one, episode one, Monster Trucks slash Lunch Crunch, season one, episode 19, Grand Monsters Day slash Monster Bash Surprise, and season two, episode five, Very Sleepy Tilly slash Personal Space. We'll talk about the episodes one by one and then move on to our more general thoughts. Do you want to summarize the first episode? Yeah, really quick. So there's absolutely no world building here. They just kind of drop you right into the middle of things. So I will do the same. In Monster Trucks, Esme and Roy get a stinky client to take a bath by pretending the tub is a car wash. And in Lunch Crunch, they get a picky eater to try new foods by making them into works of art. Good summary. (laughs) Thank you. Is it a mark of my own exhaustion that the idea of turning the bathtub into a car wash just to get a kid to take a bath made me want to cry? That seemed like a treat that you get when the babysitter comes over. (laughs) Thank you for absolving me of responsibility. (laughs) Yeah, I had to keep in mind that these were babysitters and not 
parents because some of their like tricks of the trade I wouldn't use myself and it's I don't know I was watching this from this perspective of being a parent definitely not the perspective of being a kid yeah and sometimes you just have to say take a bath kid and that's okay parents we're here to remind you that even though Esme and Roy are more fun than you are that's okay (laughs) they were like so this little monster is just playing in the backyard and Esme and Roy are like terribly concerned with how dirty she's getting and that just seems like a weird anxiety to have when you're in the care of somebody else's child. Well, didn't her father mention something before leaving? Like she needs a bath and oh, he I said something that. fairly ominous. Like, you know what happens when you get a monster of this specific kind dirty. And right. they did not in fact know what happened. Turns out they got very stinky. Uh, can I share with you a note that I made about the lunch crunch picky eating segment? Mm-hmm. This is exactly what I wrote. Again, I will curb my own curse words. Just allowing a kid to play with his food makes him try new things. Ha effing ha. Right. I wrote down a direct quotation. I don't like new foods. Simon. <laughs> I related a lot to this episode because my kids are super picky. Same, same. And I've tried everything. It's a familiar trope in childhood. And Esme and Roy, they made valiant efforts. If it were real life, though, I don't think Simon would have eaten anything. Nope. Agreed. So there was one little character in this. I didn't really catch their name, but they were like a pet. Mm Mm-hmm. And this made me wonder, like, when is a monster a pet? And when is a monster, like, an anthropomorphized person-ish monster? That's kind of like Goofy and Pluto. Like, Mm -hmm. when is a dog a dog? And when is a dog a character that can talk? Yeah, the ins and outs of monster society and Monsterdale were pretty intriguing and also very unclear. (laughs) It is never mentioned that Esme is, in fact, a human, and no one else around her is a human. Um, I wondered myself if it could be that there was really only one type of every monster. So the fact that Esme was a human, I mean, she may as well have just been a different type of monster. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the only explanation I could come up with that adequately explained why it wasn't weird yeah that's a that's a good hypothesis <laughs> thank you <laughs> so in the next episode we watched we got to see Simon again I think he was my favorite little charge mm-hmm. um, and he wanted to find a present for his Grammy so he went through some trial and error and finally decided to give her some Grammy Awards. And then in the second half of that episode, Monster Bash Surprise, Little Fig has costume choice anxiety before the big Monster Bash. So we didn't mention in our analysis of the first episode, the glitter jar. Yes, yes. Take us through the glitter jar because I have thoughts. So in a lot of these episodes, like, 
one of the little monsters that Esme and Roy are taking care of, like they end up having a monster meltdown. And then Esme pulls out this jar full of glitter and sings a really soothing song about when the glitter falls down, you should calm the F down. That's not how <laughs> she puts it. But it's like a, a Daniel Tigery type tune. Mm-hmm. Like it gets in your head. You could use it with your own kids after watching the show. But like, oh my God, who's going to get it? glass jar full of glitter that's a terrible idea I thought of you immediately when this came up because I know your feelings about glitter (laughs) and I don't know about you but both of my kids would be just like immediately grabbing for that jar and unscrewing the top Mm -hmm. or dropping it yep Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so good idea on a cartoon don't try to replicate it in real life yes Deborah remains staunchly anti-glitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Esme and all of her jobs has this magic suitcase that alerts them to upcoming monster jobs, turns into a moped so they can drive to said monster jobs, but then it also contains all of her monster-sitting goodies, which is a nice trope. It means that she doesn't necessarily have to prepare for every individual monster sitting job but I really like that even though they're coming out of a magical bottomless Mary Poppins style suitcase all of her creations are still obviously made of cardboard and tape yeah yeah I found that element to be super pleasing yeah I liked that I made a note in the third episode we watched like they made a super cool cardboard spaceship. Have you tried creating elaborate sets with cardboard before for your kids? Because I have, and I often do because of all the Amazon deliveries. They're 1000% over it before I finished like cutting up one box. Oh, shoot. <laughs> My kids are older and can handle like a knife or a scissors. And they sometimes get on a real cardboard construction kick well maybe that'll be something for me to look forward to yeah there's actually a graphic novel called cardboard kingdom Mm -hmm. that's probably a little oldish for jay but someday down the line he might like to read that and then get inspiration for all those delivery boxes did you tear up at all during the Grand Monsters episode at all the love that Simon was expressing for his Grammy? I know that you live in the same city as your parents, so you've had opportunities to see them a little bit during the pandemic, but my kids have not seen my parents in a year. Oh, so just yeah. watching that episode about how much Simon loves his Grammy and all the things she does for him, it really it hit me where it hurts. Yeah, that's so hard. I'm sorry, Katie. All right. Well, enough uh, enough weepiness on my part. Should we move on to the final episode that we watched? Sure. All right. So we watched season two, episode five, Very Sleepy Tilly and Personal Space. In Very Sleepy Tilly, Esme and Roy get Tilly to take a nap by reenacting a conveniently sleep-themed storybook. 
And in personal space, Esme and Roy convinced different aged clients to play together by playing different parts in the same game, namely that one of them can be a space explorer and the other can be a space bunny. I didn't have too many individual thoughts about this, this, this group of episodes, Deborah. I thought they were both very relatable. Like the second one, because we deal with that a lot at my house. Mm-hmm. The problem with like people want to play different things, but want to play with each other. I probably could have used this very episode like a few years ago when my kids were younger. Mm -hmm. And my second thought is, why do babysitters care if kids sleep or not? (laughs) That's a really good point. Because Esme and Roy were really hard to get Tilly to take a nap and Tilly is just giving up the nap yeah she's not gonna nap (laughs) you're right they did take that really seriously but again as with the bath in the pilot episode it was like a specific directive from Tilly's dad like she needs to take a nap I know but whenever we used to get babysitters. I would have a very specific directive of when kids were to be in bed and they were never in bed. Oh my gosh. Call the monster sitters then. <laughs> well, let's move on to our overall thoughts about the show. Did we like the concept? Yeah, I thought it was cute. Honestly, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Um, I thought I would have more questions about the world of the monsters and whether this was real or just an imaginary world that Esme had created. Surprisingly, I was really just rather pleased to be in it. Yeah, it was a solid preschool, early elementary show. The characters were really likable. It reminded me a bit of Doc McStuffins, which is like a pretty classic and really good show. Mm -hmm. Listeners, check out our earlier episode from a couple years ago on Doc McStuffins. Um, The one difference being that they did not present this as being an imaginary world at all. In fact, in the opening credits, you see Esme and Roy zip off on their magical moped to go to a babysitting job. And you see Esme's parents like waving from the front stoop as they go. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of unclear how old Esme is. But I was willing to suspend my disbelief that she lives in this town called Monsterville and is old enough to take care of all the little monsters. After watching the Babysitter's Club last week, I was convinced that she was at least as old as those 12-year-old babysitters. It's clear that she's not a child in the same way that her charges are children. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Can we go back to the monster meltdowns again? Because they were present Mm -hmm. in every segment, so... Mm-hmm. We watched three episodes, so we saw six monster meltdowns. Esme had like some tried and true strategies that she used to get through them, and it kind of crushed me every time to see like how easily Esme put down those tantrums. Yeah, I mean, watching from a parent perspective, it's nice to see that there's a meltdown in every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> meltdowns are such a regular part of life especially when you have like preschoolers. 
But I want to see Esme handling it like, well, sometimes you just got to let him melt down and like going in the other room with Roy for a little bit. <laughs> I would like to see that strategy as well. And then I wonder what the monster would do. Like the little monster, would they just like stop crying and look around and like just move on with their life? Well, this is where I think Esme and Roy would be kind of like bitten in the behind by their strategy of always going above and beyond with these super creative solutions because Mm -hmm. the children have like grown accustomed to this extra level of effort. So were Esme and Roy just to be like, well, I'm not going to tolerate this tantrum. I think it would just feed into a bigger tantrum. Right, right. Guys, you always got to be considering all the angles is just what I'm saying, Esme and Roy. (laughs) (laughs) So thoughts on the animation? I'll go first. I was like, I didn't really consider the animation at all until I was reading through this document. (laughs) Is that a good or a bad? To me, I think that means that the animation was really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't super wowed by it, but I think for a regular old show, it was really good. Because often CGI-type animation really bothers me. Because mm-hmm. it just feels like a shortcut. But I thought this was good. The one thing that really struck me was the vibrancy of the color palette throughout. Not with just the colors of the monsters which were very poppy but everything around them the colors of the homes the interiors everything was just really well vibrant is the perfect word for it because that's what it was words have meanings Mm -hmm. katie that's what that means so there was the glitter jar earworm tune and then like a show tune style theme song Mm -hmm. was there any other music yeah actually there was well she also (laughs) had one go-to if she wasn't using the glitter jar, she had another go-to that was like, give yourself a hug and take a deep breath. Well, that's right. Um, so those were the two kind of like Daniel Tiger-ish numbers. But then every episode also had another song. Like they did a whole big song about the Grammy Awards. And so they had one plot-based song about whatever it was they were doing in every episode as well. You're which right. Did I even watch the show? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I loved that jazzy opening theme. I thought it was really, really great and peppy and got me in the right mood to watch some fun monster sitting. Same. It was really good. So what movie or show for grownups does this compare to? I have some thoughts that are going to come up in my gritty HBO reboot, but the obvious ones that I reached for were just where professionals show you how to do a job that you really struggle with parenting specific would be super nanny which is not a show that I have much experience with though I know that it exists slash Mm -hmm. existed I don't know if it's still being made but I did in my younger years watch quite a bit of the dog whisperer and it had a little (laughs) bit a little bit of that that uh nuance to me what did you think I went the monster route and I feel like there was an American horror story season where it was all like grotesque characters yeah the circus season that was the not circus big top I don't remember that was the last season we watched I thought it was horrible I can't watch that show I can't (laughs) even look at print ads for that show it's way (laughs) too scary for me I did watch the 
first season, not really knowing what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do the thing where you're paging through a magazine and a print ad comes up for the show and you don't even want to put your finger on the print because it's too yes! scary? <laughs> too scary ryan murphy oh i'm right there with you we made it through a few episodes uh or a few seasons but that big top season was just so bad that was it for us i'm glad i'm i didn't miss out by not watching it so i want to hear you cast the gritty hbo reboot (laughs) all right so i was thinking what the adult equivalent of babysitting might be and It made me think of the rash of comedies in the early to mid aughts about man children, Mm. sort of like the Judd Apatow mold. Yes. So I was thinking about Knocked Up because I feel like that's the most prominent in the genre. And what if instead of it being about, you know, this schlubby man child learning question mark how to be a grown-up it was more like the female figure was actually in charge of him as if he were a baby so kind of like knocked up plus scandal so like there's a strong woman who has to come in and just like manage these men who can't do anything because they're infants yeah (laughs) so I was thinking about this mashup Carrie Washington, obviously, because I was already thinking about Scandal, but I think she's too serious. So I thought if I were casting the Esme role, I would maybe choose Michaela Cole. First of all, because <gasps> she's everywhere in my newsfeed right now. Katie, that's who I used too. Shut Funny. up. <laughs> <laughs> so have you watched This May Destroy You or I May Destroy You? Or forgive me for not remembering the exact name of the show which I obviously have not watched yet um yes I watched like the first three episodes of I May Destroy You it's really good but it is a show that does not make you feel good it makes you feel bad (laughs) that is what I've heard so I've been slow to uh slow to reach for it although I'm sure I will be watching it I really enjoyed Chewing Gum uh which was her other show did you watch that I haven't seen it. I didn't even know about it until we probably both read that New York Magazine profile of her. Yeah. Um, Chewing gum is a lot more on the surface fun than it sounds like I May Destroy You is for sure. (laughs) But tell me about your envisioned Michaela Cole character. I envisioned her as like a preschool teacher for monsters. All right. I didn't get very far or very creative with my gritty HBO reboot but I want to talk remember all those movies about the man baby Mm -hmm. like failure to launch with um Matthew McConaughey yeah Sarah Jessica Parker and then stepbrothers with (laughs) John C. Riley, a comedy duo I love but was it you or another of our librarian friends who was making the argument that Step Brothers was better than Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. Because I will stand up for Eurovision over Step Brothers any day of the week. Um, I did not try to make that argument because I've not seen the Eurovision movie. <laughs> but I'm glad that the era of those movies has kind of gone away a little bit. Same. I mean, 
That's like Adam Sandler's pre-uncut gemstones whole career was man baby (laughs) with um seth rogan and like everyone from that cohort jason siegel Mm -hmm. was it better when we were kids this was fun i no i i liked this i can't think of anything from my childhood that i was point to as an equivalent i think more sesame workshop content is a good so I'm gonna go out there and say that no this is better than when we were kids yeah totally and would you ever watch this alone voluntarily no but I don't need to because this falls squarely in my demo with my children so I will be happy to be watching it with them for a little bit as a nice alternative to uh current favorites Mickey Mouse Clubhouse nice um I'm not gonna watch it by myself either So 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I thought it was a lot of fun. My only question mark would be, is it going to encourage my children to think that I will engage in more elaborate projects to try and entertain them? Because I put enough stress on myself about those things as it is. I don't need to uh, further increase their expectations for going above and beyond like that. Yeah, I think my kids are a little too old to really enjoy it. And it makes me wistful for the days when we would get a babysitter and then Jeremy and I would go do something outside of the house. Yeah, I remember being able to leave the house. Yeah, I do. These monster parents are not even leaving for like big events. They're leaving for pretty pedestrian reasons. Like I have a tennis lesson. Yeah. Those were the days. <laughs> Ratings? 4.5. I would edge to a 5 because I really did enjoy it. But again, with the laying of expectations, I have to downgrade it a little bit for that. And the glitter jar, of course. So 4.5 for me. Yeah, I would say 4. I liked it a lot. I thought it was well done. It didn't amaze me in the way that I expect a five-star show to. Yeah, I mean, it was no number blocks, but it was pretty pretty (laughs) solid. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with shoes. You can't tweet us with shoes. Those are not (laughs) things that you can tweet. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at myscreentime2. Or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye. Screen time. Screen time. Screen time. Screen time.